Hey, good morning. Um, I'm Charlie. If you're new here, I'm the lead pastor. And man, we're really glad uh, that you are worshiping with us today. We are talking, we've been going through the life of, of, of Moses, which has been really cool. We've been talking about how God essentially created him with a purpose, and we see him living out his life with a purpose. And our hope has been, through the series, is that you would come to recognize that God has given you a purpose. God has given you a mission as well. He's given us as a church, He's given us a mission. It's right there on the wall when you walk in that God is calling us to reach people, to become fully devoted, world-changing followers of Christ. And so our heart and mind are always on the people who are the furthest from God. People who come here, and a lot of people, just most people really, who come to a church for the first time, come in some sort of broken way. They're, they're, they're missing something. They're needing something. They're looking for God to answer maybe a question or heal something that uh, is unanswered or, or, is, or is broken. And in that season, we can definitely say, man, you, you are the focus of our mission. Man, we want to help you find the answers to the, the questions and the things that are going on in your heart. Find healing and life in Jesus Christ. We want, man, you're the mission. But if you'll notice, even in that mission, we want to reach you, but ultimately... To, to become fully devoted. And so want your devotion to grow. And so kind of move from a, a season where you're the, um, you're the mission to where you think, man, I, I want to help with this mission. There just comes a point where everybody needs to kind of take a step back and say, it's really cool what this church is doing in my life. I want to be used by God to do the same thing in the lives of other people. So I want to not just be the mission, but I want to help with the mission, help with this thing that God's doing. But also in that mission, it says world changer. We want you to become a world changing follower of Christ. And ultimately what we believe is that, um, that God's going to give you a mission. It's not just simply that, that, that you're the mission and that you're going to help us with our mission. But that God's going to give you a mission. And through that mission, He's going to use you to change the world in, in a significant way. And what we've been doing... Over the course of this week, so we just kind of highlighted a few um, people, a few ministries that people have been involved in where they kind of come here and, 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 and find mission, find this kind of purpose. And my, my mind is really just kind of gone. This is obviously very close to my heart. It's, it's, it's gone to the foster care and adoptive families in our church. That there are a lot of families here who have made a decision to say that we're going to look at the, the kids in our community who are experiencing the worst things that happen in our community. And not only are they, are they being raised in, in, in some really difficult places, but now the, these kids have also been ripped from their families. And, and we've had a lot of families in our church over the years and, and still do. Some incredible families who have said, man, we want to do something about that. We want them to have a great, soft place to land where they can experience in a real way the tangible love of Jesus, as hopefully God is restoring this family. And so we've had a lot of families do that, and, and it has been in, in, incredible. And just as a, a side note, really not a side note, we've got an opportunity to bless them. Mark's going to give us some more details about this a little bit later. But we want to make sure that these families who have taken in these awesome extra kids into their home, that they have a great Christmas. And so out there in the lobby, we have an opportunity just to bless them. We've asked them. Um, for, for, some, for some wish list kind of things. They were, as most you know, American types are, like, oh, no, we don't need anything else. Stop. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna punch you in the face <laughs> and, and make you tell us how we can help you. So there's an opportunity to bless them, which is great. 
Because it's an incredible ministry that people are a part of, to love on these kids. And we've had several families, too, who've kind of taken that next step to where if the family um, can't be restored and and the kids need to be adopted, we've had a lot of uh, families do that, adopt kids out of foster care. Um, Obviously, our family, if you guys know know us, uh, we're, we're one of those. Um, it was one of the greatest things that has ever happened um, in our life. And if there's anybody who would come to the Grove and already have a mission in place, it would be the pastor, right? I mean, you know, the pastor's going to come here, and he already knows what he's going to do. He's going to be the pastor of this church. But it, it's, it's been really cool that, that God gave us a, a, a different kind of mission, too, and to kind of not only to bring this awesome kid into our house, but to kind of create a church of families of support to people who can... Who, who, who can feel the freedom to do this and to be a great network. And with that, with that I just want to highlight one more person. I could talk about this all day. I want to highlight Brian and Alex Fitton. Alex Fitton in particular, they're an incredible family. And, you know, our family walks around and we look a little weird. We've got a 19-year-old, a 17-year-old, and then a, and a little 6-year-old. People look at that. It's kind of weird. Their family's weirder looking. You know, they're, they're relatively young, and they have a teenager that they've adopted, and they have what looks like triplets. And um, two of them are natural, and one was adopted. She, they, they adopted another one while she was pregnant with their, with, I don't know what the birth, I mean, the second birth order. I don't know what order you would say any of these kids come in. But, and, and it's incredible. It's incredible that they're just a walking testimony. And she's actually created a, net, uh, a podcast called the Adoptive Mom Podcast, which I encourage you to go check out. Just kind of be an encouraging resource to people who are kind of going through this. And it's just really cool to not only just see God create a unique family, but to also use this incredible family to kind of have a platform to encourage other people. And so that's what we mean, man. We were talking about purpose. Man, that God's going to put something on your heart and you're going to see Him do something incredible in you, but then ultimately through you. But let's just be honest, it's not easy. It's not easy. We think it should be easy. It's the thing that we just have to get over. That if we decide that we're finally going to surrender and do whatever God says, that it's going to be easy. And I'm telling you, if there's anybody in the world that knows that that's not true, it's people who have been through foster care and adoptive processes. Um, It's an incredible up and down. It just seems like all the systems are designed to discourage you. But you have to stay focused on that purpose and believe that I know that this is what God wants me to do. I'm going to keep doing it. But ultimately, we think it should be easy, but it's not. And it's the same for Moses. And to just kind of follow this journey, you know, Moses was kind of raised up and called by God to free the people of Israel from Egypt. And Moses takes matter to his own hands first and commits murder and ultimately is in exile for 40 years. God redeems him and brings him back and then shows up in a huge way in Egypt and not only frees the people, but essentially loots the superpower and communicates to the whole world that the God of the universe is the God of Israel. And so he leads them out in this grand way, but he takes them right to the Red Sea where there's this huge obstacle in front of them. And the Egyptian army starts to chase them. They've got an army in front of them, an impassable obstacle that God intentionally led them to, ultimately by God's word to say, I want you to see me do something awesome. And then you and everybody will know where salvation and where life is in me and God. And so they get through that and you finally think, well, maybe now everything's going to work out. But it's actually a, a crazy journey from there. And, and if, we're going to, if we were going to do a legit series on, on the life and journey of Moses, it would be about a three-year series and you would be bored and you would hate me after about two months in Leviticus. 
And so, if you don't know what that is, just go ahead and read Leviticus, and then you'll know, and then you'll thank me. Send me a thank you note. Um, But there is an incredible series that I think we'll do someday, because we're skipping over a huge part here, where, where Moses stops being the central character in the story, and I think the people of Israel start to be the central character. And the journey and the ups and downs, and they're becoming reacquainted with God, and it's really cool. But they get into this pattern. They get into this pattern where anytime anything bad happens, they complain to God. Even though God has shown up in huge ways and do these awesome things consistently, anytime something bad might happen, or just might happen, or we think it could happen, they just start complaining big time. And, and as we read this and we talk about it, we should totally judge them, right? Because... It is rare and weird that someone who, even though they've seen God show up in their life countless times, would, would then the next time be upset with him and think that he can't do it. It's really weird. We should judge them. Think, think badly of them. Don't, don't connect it to your life at all. And so we're going to look at a couple of these stories. And, and the first one we're going to look at is in Exodus chapter 17, start in verse 1. The whole Israelite community set out from the desert of sin, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. So they quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. So this is a pretty standard deal. This has happened so many times. This is just one of many. Where they find themselves in some difficult uh, situation where they don't have food, they don't have water, they feel trapped, they, they, they feel isolated, there's an army, there's something. And, and they just begin to complain. And Moses replied, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? But the people were thirsty for water there, and they grumbled against Moses. And they said, Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and livestock die of thirst? I mean, they are so upset that they're thinking, I, I, would, I wish we were slaves still in Egypt. Because at least there was consistency. And you're like, that's just ridiculous. It's just dumb. It's just dumb to read. But that's where they are. And they're so frustrated that they don't have water now. They think they begin to think fondly of their time in slavery. So obviously it's frustrating to Moses. Moses cried out to the Lord, What am I to do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. And the Lord answered Moses, Go out in front of the people. Take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb Strike the rock, and water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the place Massa and Meribah, because the Israelites quarreled, and because they tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? And so this is a pretty normal, this is a pretty normal cycle. So if we ever do this series, we kind of look at the Israelites, we'll kind of look at this cycle that they get into, where something happens, they complain. Moses kind of uh, advocates on their behalf to God, God shows up in a huge way and everything's fine all the way up until the next time something bad happens. And they get into this and they get into this kind of cycle. But we're looking at it really kind of from Moses' perspective and he would just imagine that Moses got to be really frustrated. I mean, this is just, just keeps happening. And like, God, I'm, I'm, I'm doing the thing that you call me to. I'm leading these people. I'm doing everything right. I'm, 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 I'm being who you want me to be. And, 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 and every now and then they want to murder me. And that just doesn't seem cool. It doesn't seem awesome. I don't, I don't like this. You can, just, you can sense his sadness, his frustration. And I would imagine that he would love to, he would have wished that it could have been different. 
And you think you're following God, it should be different, right? But here's the thing, we'll say it this way. Life with God, it's still life. It's still life. And life's just hard. You know, well, that's, that's life. We never say that and we mean that great, right? When we say that it's life, it's like, man, it just things happen. There's discouragement, there's frustration, there's obstacles. That's just what life is. It, 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 it's a journey, and that journey often has twists and turns in it that we wish weren't there. And that's what life is. And, and what God offers us is life with Him. It's still life. And we can say and, and, and we can wish that something was different, but God never promised it was going to be different. And so Moses has this cycle where there is some sort of trial. He asks God, and then God shows up. But can we just say, let's just say, God could have done it very differently. God could have made sure that there was always water. God has the ability to, obviously, has the ability to get water coming out of a rock. He could have, before they got there, already made sure that water was coming out that rock. Right? They would have gotten there, hey, look, there's no water here. Look, there's water coming out of this rock. And there would have been a worship service, and God would have gotten glory. How cool it is. Water's coming out of that rock. It would have been a really cool moment, and God could have done that. He could have preemptively handled the problem, but He didn't. He also could have given Moses a bit of a heads up. Hey, Moses, we're about to come to this place. There's not going to be any water. And they are just going to whine and complain and fuss because that's what they do. They're going to get mad at me. They're going to get mad at you, but it's okay. It's going to be fine. I've got a plan. It's going to be you and a rock and a stick and water. And it's going to be great. I just wanted to give you a heads up. He doesn't do that either. I mean, it just, it just, it's just kind of this overwhelming thing where suddenly they don't have any water and suddenly the people are ready to kill Moses because he's not a, being a very good leader. When in fact he's being a great leader. But people are hurting him. And God could have done something about it, but he didn't. But here's the thing. It would seem that God is more interested in the journey than the destination. It, it, it would seem that... That, that, that getting to this place, this promised land, as quickly and as incident-free as possible is not God's agenda. It seems like that that's not, doesn't, it doesn't matter to Him at all. And that, can I just be honest? It frustrates me. This story frustrates me. All stories like this frustrate me. Because I'm a destination guy and I'm an efficiency guy. Oh, cool, there's a three-hour delay in the airport. More time to hang out and talk. No, no. <laughs> We gotta, we gotta get there. I start getting frustrated at the first time that says the flight's delayed. Yeah, you're supposed to leave at 4:27. You see that thing says 4:33 now. How many more times are we gonna get delayed? I think it's frustrating to me, especially if there's something that you could do about it. I mean, you, you do something about it, and God could do something about it, and He is actively choosing not to. Because he cares more about the journey. He cares more about the relationship that he's building with Moses in the journey than he cares about how quickly and efficiently he can get him there. But that's so frustrating. It's so inefficient. Like, just, just get there. We've got things to do. We're on a job here. And the job is to get from here to there. Let's just do the job. We're supposed to be doing something. God's like, I am doing something. And the something I'm doing is the something I'm doing in you. That's the thing we're doing. And he seems infinitely more interested 
in developing and, 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 and changing and shaping the hearts of Moses and these people than he is in achieving the goal. And there has to be, I think, a huge shift in our mindset. We're going to have to adjust our perspective to that. That God is way more interested in what he's doing in me than getting me to the place that I think that I want to go or even the place that I know he wants me to go. He seems way more interested in what he's doing in me. So again, that was just one story. And there's one that's just like it, just like it, in Numbers chapter 20. We fast forward here several years. We move ahead two books from Exodus, way past Leviticus. Skip it all together, right into Numbers. Numbers chapter 20, verse 2. Now, there was no water for the community, and the people gathered in opposition to Moses and Aaron. That sounds very familiar, right? We just, we just talked about that. They quarreled with Moses and said, If only we had died when our brothers fell dead before the Lord. Why did you bring the Lord's community into this wilderness that we and our livestock should die here? Why did you even bring us up out of Egypt to this terrible place? It has no grain or figs, grapevines or pomegranates, and there is no water to drink. I mean, this is the exact same thing. And they are so frustrated with God and Moses and everybody and everything. And they're saying, I, it would be better if we were still slaves. Because at least in Egypt there were figs. <laughs> Seriously? Figs? I don't care how much great figs are, even in Newton form. It's not worth slavery, but that's where their brain is right now. It is so frustrating that this one bad thing has happened to me. I would rather be a slave with figs than be here. And this has been happening over and over and over again. And God has shown up over and over again. He's already done the water thing once. One time he brought in literally hundreds of thousands of quail for them to eat. He, he makes this magical bread stuff up here on the grass every day. And, and he's, their, their, their lives are just constant provision and constant miracles. And here they still are in this same place. And Moses and Aaron, they're so frustrated as Moses and Aaron went from the assembly to the entrance to the tent of meeting and fell face down and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. Same thing that's happened. They complain, they go back to God. The Lord said to Moses, Take the staff and you and your brother Aaron gather the assembly together. Speak. Here's where things get different. Speak to that rock before their eyes and it will pour out its water. You will bring water out of the rock for the community so that they and their livestock can drink. So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence just as he commanded him. Okay? So instead of, instead of hitting the rock this time, I want you to talk to the rock. So Moses takes the staff, and he and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock, and Moses said to them, this is important, this kind of quote, he said to them, Listen, you rebels, must we bring you water out of this rock? I'm imagining this is edited. I just imagine it. I just imagine Joshua's kind of the scribe. He's writing this down. He's like, I don't, I don't think I'm going to write that down. I'm, I'm just going to paraphrase. I'm gonna, you rebels. We'll just write rebels down here. I mean, just, it's 
Do we have to do, again, do we have to do this again? Must we bring you water out of this rock? Then Moses raised his arm and struck the rock twice with his staff. Not talk to it. He hit it. He hit it twice. Water gushed out. And the community and their livestock drank. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not trust in me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land that I give them. Now, a lot of people think that that's really harsh. That's a harsh punishment for a guy who has been incredibly faithful for a long period of time. That after being as faithful as he had for so long, that, that ultimately this kind of this one sin would, would ultimately keep him from being able to, to take them all the way to the destination. And um, that's just kind of a thing. If this were a different group, man, this, this, this passage preaches well at leadership deals, pastors' conferences, because it really kind of helps us understand Man, the larger your platform and the more people that God's called you to influence, man, he's going to hold you to a higher standard. That's important to know, and you just have to kind of have to take that. But that's not what we're talking about today. We're really just kind of talking more about the heart of Moses. And we really want to figure out, man, what is it? Not, not whether or not God should have done that. But what, how did Moses get there? How did he get to this point to where, rather than following what God said and doing what God said to do, he kind of did his own thing? And ultimately, it was rebellion, and God took it that way and ultimately punished him relatively severely for it. How do we prevent that? How do we prevent this thing from happening happening to us? So there's a couple things, and, and, and the first one is this, is that we don't want to let success minimize God. Don't let success minimize God. Because, man, let's just say that Moses and that staff, they'd seen a lot. That thing had become a snake, and that snake had eaten other people's staffs that had turned to snakes. It had, it had turned uh, the Nile River into blood. It had parted the Red Sea. It had, it had smacked a rock before and water had come out. It, it, when, when he holds it up like this, I mean, God is giving their troops victory when they've gone to war. That staff has done a lot. Moses and that staff have accomplished quite a lot over the years. And I believe that part of what Moses' problem is is that he began to think about that. He began to think that really what was causing all of this stuff is Moses and his staff. Me and this stick, we can do a lot. And because he had seen success so often, he begins to get confused about where success comes from. And you hear that in the thing that he says. We're going to come back to this a couple times. Let's go back to it again. Verse 10, Numbers chapter 20. Listen, you rebels, must who? We bring you water the rock. Moses, Moses not once in his life has brought water out of a rock. Not one time. He was there. He was somewhat involved. But Moses never has ever done that and never could. But yet, that's what he's saying. The focus begins to return to him. And I think this happens to us. There are some of us that would say that I struggle to stay close to God when things are bad. I think some of us struggle to stay close to God when things are good. Some of us struggle to stay close to God because we begin to forget where blessing comes from. We begin to, everything's good, and I have all these things, and all these good things are happening, and we get confused about who it is that made those things happen in the first place. And so it begins to be, and I look at this awesome thing that God did, but look at this thing that me and this stick can do. And so people ask the question, why do, you think, why do you think he would do that? I mean, Sunday school teachers answering this from kids all the time. There's theologians and pastors. Why, why would he not talk? Some people think 
I'd like to suggest that it's embarrassing. They didn't want to. Like, who wants to talk to a rock? I mean, it's kind of dumb. It's a little bit humiliating. Hey, uh, rock. Um, you got any, got any water in there? It, it seems, it's, yeah, I didn't want to. I, I, don't think that, I, I don't think that's it. I mean, I agree with that, but I don't think that that's what was going on. I don't think he listened. I mean, God's trying to do this thing in him, and there's this cycle. A problem emerges. Moses humbly comes to God. God gives him the answer, and then God shows up and does something big. I think he was just going through the motions. The bad thing happens. Hey, God, what are you going to do? Yeah, water, rock, boom. And he didn't wait to hear. God had something very different in mind. I don't know what he was going to do. I don't know what cool thing was going to happen. I don't know what Moses was going to say to that rock. And I don't know what was going to happen next. We know water would eventually come out. Maybe God was going to do something awesome. But he missed it because he, he, he didn't listen to it. Instead, he hit it. And what happened when he hit it the first time? Anybody? Nothing. And I think there's a moment of mercy and grace there from God. Hey, well, I got to get you more water. Boom. That's not what I said, buddy. Boom. And water came out. Another instance of grace. We'll talk about this at the very end, but he, God could have humiliated Moses in that moment. He chose not to. And water came out. And then, because, you know, the Israelites didn't know what God had told them. And, and so he let his success. Like, this is about me. But it was never about him. It was always about God. And so his success, the good things that had happened, it allowed him to minimize God. But again, let's just look at that verse one more time. Because this is where all, all everything is, right here in this verse 10. He and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock, and Moses said to them, Listen, you rebels. Must we bring you water out of this rock? Just the frustration, the anger, the bitterness from what had been years and years and years of rebellion and and pushback, it got the best of him. And we'll say this, don't let frustration derail you from your purpose. Just don't. I'm telling you, it doesn't really matter what it is that God is calling you to. If it matters, it's going to be hard. It just is. Things that matter are hard. I mean, talking about foster people in foster care, people who've tried to adopt. Man, there's some things that happen along the way. It just, again, it just feels like everything's against you sometimes. And there's so many ups and downs and you can't let us like, man, God is calling us to love these kids. And we're going to love these kids no matter what this system is, no matter what's happening in this kid. The kid is frustrating. The family is frustrating. The, the system is frustrating. It's all frustrating. But it's, it's, it's the kid. It's the kid. I mean, the complaining was, was, was overwhelming. They, they were ungrateful and they didn't like Moses and they always wanted to kill him. But what was the point? Of trying, I'm trying to get these people to this perfect place that God has, 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 has set aside for them. And, and they need to know and get reacquainted with God. And God's trying to do something in my heart and in their heart. But he, in that moment, he's like, I'm so frustrated. 
with them and me and God and everybody. And I am just so angry, I'm going to beat this rock with a stick. You ever been that angry? I just want to beat this rock with a stick. My bad application from this passage is I need a rock and a stick. I'm just going to beat this rock until water comes out. That is a high level of frustration right there. Water don't come out of rocks. Unless God says he's going to do it, but he's so mad, he ain't care. I am so angry. I am so frustrated that I have ended up here in this place. And it derailed him from the big thing that God was trying to do in his life. And ultimately it cost him. It cost him being able to, 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 to see it all the way through. And too many of us, man, we give up. Because it's not going well. It's not going quickly enough. Because the people that we're trying to help don't get it. Because the people that we're not trying to help are opposing us. Or whatever it is. Whatever the things that are going on around us. The journey is too hard. And we quit and we give up. And we miss out on the big payoff of what God is trying to do in you and through you. So here's the thing. We want you to find your purpose, but I'm not promising you anything other than a hard journey and a big payoff. And we cannot be the people who quit when the journey is hard, when the payoff is just right there. God is going to do something amazing through you if we'll let Him. And again, we see in this story Not just a failure on Moses' part in God's judgment, but a beautiful picture of grace, of the forgiveness and love of God. Because again, that story could have gone a different way. Hit the rock once, nothing happens. Hit the rock twice, down goes Moses. Zappy zap, right? Or no water comes out, right? Any number of things God is, I'm still going to provide water I'm not going to embarrass you in front of the people. That was actually really kind. That could have gone a lot of different ways. And even though he didn't get to be allowed to go into the promised land, the very end of his life, right when Moses was going to die, he brought him to this very special place, top of this mountain, allowed him to be able to see everything so that Moses could at least emotionally connect with it. And then ultimately didn't have to die a normalish kind of death. He just died right there in the very presence of God on this mountain. And in the next moment was with God in heaven. And just a loving picture of the care and appreciation and value that God had for Moses. Even though he'd had this. And so some of us, man, we we may feel like that our failure has disqualified us in some way. And I want to make sure we started talking about this when Moses killed the dude talk about it again now that Moses is, is angrily uh, smacking rocks um, God's redemption his healing his forgiveness is always available and so for some of you this is going to be a first it'll be a first for you to embrace the forgiveness that God is offering all of us through his son Jesus his son Jesus came and showed us even more clearly what it means to live and to follow God and ultimately died for us so that we might could be forgiven of all the things that we've done as a payment for our sin and ultimately that forgiveness and grace is being extended by God to you and if you've never experienced it encourage you to make it today the day that you do 
And for the rest of us who have, I just want you to know that if you find yourself in a frustrating circumstance, if you find yourself in a place where you feel like that you've disqualified yourself again, that the mercy and the forgiveness of God is always available. But no matter what situation you find yourself in here today, here's our prayer. Our prayer is that you will find that next step between where you are and this awesome journey that God has for you with incredible world-changing purpose. And so as we respond, I encourage you to just open up your heart and worship. Um, The people back there on the prayer team that would love to pray with you. And if you come here even with the slightest burden, I encourage you to go back there because I I can make you this promise that if, if you will go back there and let these people pray with you, God will lift the burden. You're not necessarily going to solve the problem right away, but he will lift the burden. There's something very powerful when you have someone pray with you. There's communion available. There's prayer candles. There's... The cross where you can pray. We're also about to take an offering where we give our tithes and take what God has given us and give it back to Him. I encourage you to make this a regular part of what you do. And the awesome things that God is doing in and through this church are possible because we all make a commitment to say that I'm going to take the first of what God has given me and I'm going to give it back to Him. Not only is that an incredible blessing for you, it's also the right thing to do. And it also multiplies ministry here in Northwest Arkansas and all around the world. And so there's lots of different ways to respond, but let's take a step. Let's take a real step towards God and finding and embracing the purpose that he has for us. Let's pray.